If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the Goat Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a goat, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. I'm Colby Jubenville, and welcome to another episode of the Goat Consulting Podcast right here in studio in VC Productions in Nashville, Tennessee. we got a great show for you today. Always at the table, my good friend, the CEO and founder of the family of brands, the Goat family of brands, Tyler Burnett. Tyler, I got to ride with you, Sprinter, today. It was exciting. <laughs> Great conversation. Teddy took us here. It was awesome. To the left, we call him the LinkedIn Whisperer, the calming force to our show, my good friend, John Byers. John, we're excited for you to be here today. So good to be here. And at the table with us, all the way from Philly, mm. my good friend, Anna Papalia. Our first guest from Philly. This is our very first guest from Philly. Exciting. She is the founder and CEO of the Shift Profile. And prior to that, spent many, many years as the director of talent acquisition. And one day you just woke up and said, I can't take it anymore. You call it a come to Jesus moment. And you decided that things are going to have to change. You're a disruptor. You're an author. You're soon to be author, speaker. You've, you've created this incredible instrument that's both valid and reliable. And it's transforming the industry. And we're so glad that you decided to spend some time with us today. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. It's really fun to be here. That come to Jesus moment might be what, what as we relate that to the show, your Jerry Maguire moment, right? Where he takes Flipper, who's coming with me, and jets out to change the world. Changed, and speaking of change the world, yeah. not only is Anna changing the world, but so is Deb Digital, our good friends right here in Nashville, Tennessee. They Digitizing sponsor the show. The world. Digitizing the world. Right. And then we have a new sponsor, RWS, Russell Stroud, RWS Services, right out there in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Wow. He's on a cruise today. But Russell, we'd like to give you a shout out and say thank you yes. for making a, a commitment to the show. It's awesome. We got him a cool gift com- coming, by the way. You do. You yeah. do. You're a little late on that, but we'll get there. As we get closer to Christmas, yeah. we love giving gifts. Our gift for you today to our audience, our global audience, where, where can you find us? You can find us on? Pocket Cast, YouTube, Google, Amazon, Spotify, Apple, iTunes. And our gift to you today is Anna Papalia. And uh, we've got some some questions we always ask to kind of get people revved up and get going. You've got a great story. I know you speak all over the country on this. We appreciate you taking the time today. John, why don't you start us off with the first question for today for Anna? Well, I got a little um, more fear. I should, I, maybe that's the feeling because uh, Anna is like, she picks apart interviews, right? Like she co- she coaches people yeah. on what we're about to do. Well, so good. I'm glad you have some fear today. I know. That's perfectionism I'm, creeping in. We're going to work on that in 2023. You know, courage doesn't exist without fear. So this might have That's been fair. my most courageous moment on the show here with you, Anna. It's so good to have you. Thank you for joining. Love your background. Thank you. Love the bust going on. The best of John. Yes. That's really cool. I, I, I promise I'll be gentle. Thank you you for that. Famous last words. One of the, we, you know, we like to do things a little different. Colby shared a little bit about your bio and your background. We'll unpack that as we get throughout the episode. And then at the very end, maybe that final layer of the Anna onion that we will peel away there. But one of the things that we always like to know is tell us your favorite or your best, whatever comes to mind, childhood memory. 
so that we can start to get to know you. You didn't a know this better. was going to be a psychotherapy session. We're still, we always start with a psychotherapy session. <laughs> and the relationship with your dad, <laughs> mom. Just, yeah, just just lay down on the couch and <laughs> yes. open your brain yes. to us. Yes. <laughs> you need a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> okay, favorite childhood memory. Let me think about this. Um, you know, truthfully, and I don't want to start on sort of a, a tough or sad note, but I, I had a tough childhood. Yeah. Um, I actually moved out when I was 15 and um, I don't really feel like I had a traditional childhood. I, I felt like I was always sort of an adult um, and working pretty hard. And I feel like now I get to enjoy a childhood through mm. my own children. I have a four and seven year old. And so I get to enjoy the the childlike fancy and the whimsy of what a childhood should be like. Cause I didn't really have that. So I kind of feel like I'm enjoying childhood now in my forties. Um, Can you it, give us an it's example? Not as sad that? as it sounds. No, I, I love that you said that. Yeah, I'm I love a latchkey the, kid myself. I love the vulnerability of all that. And uh, can you give us an example of like what helps you feel that, you know, resurrect that maybe those memories that you never got when you were a child, like re with your kids today? Sure. Well, I think that one of the issues with why my childhood was so, so tough was because I was in a very controlled environment all the time. I didn't feel like I had any autonomy. And I feel like I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life now because I have autonomy, because I have freedom. Mm. Some of the freedom that I hope that my children have just to be children, right? Just to enjoy themselves in a way that I never got to. So for me, I feel like I'm I'm reliving parts of my childhood that I should have experienced when I was, you know, five and eight and 10. And it would be inauthentic of me to sit here and say, I mean, yes, I could think of some great memories, but it would be inauthentic for me to like wax romantically about, you know, a summer vacation that I took mm. once. Like, you yeah. know, the, the bigger thing for me is I, I, I think I'm happier now. I, I don't really romanticize my childhood. We, we talked and we've talked several times in one of the conversations you talked about having conversations with your children on the way to school and, and how much you enjoyed that. Do you remember that conversation that we had in that particular moment that, that what, what was the topic that you talked about? I think that will help us get us, get us on track here. Do you remember that conversation that we had that day? Well, I, I do. I walk my son to school every day. We talk about the day that he's going to have and he rates his day. And I think it's really important that he understands that, you know, even bad days, um, you can glean good things from them. Yeah. And I want to just build a relationship of, you know, communication with him that he feels comfortable to share things with me. Yeah. You, today you, you founded this this instrument, this profile, this assessment that is changing the industry. Prior to that, you served as the director of talent acquisition. There, there's moments in our life, one of the research, one of the stats that we found is that 80% of life-defining moments happen before age 35. Is there this moment in time where you said to yourself, this is the defining moment for me, and this is going to launch to this autonomy that you talk about that you have today and that you're excited about and that drives you? Is there one moment that you find that, that pushed you to this point? Yeah, absolutely. And it was in an interview. And so it's no secret that this is why I'm so passionate about what I do. So I moved out at 15 and I got a job and I paid my own rent and I got myself through high school and I really just only ever wanted to go to college. I wanted to change my life. And in that way, I thought that, you know, I could change the course of everything if I could get into a good school. So I... 
applied to the University of Pennsylvania after spending a little time at a community college and doing all the things I needed to do. And I was asked to come in for a, an interview in the admissions process. I'll never forget it. Talk about a defining moment where there was like a before Anna and an after Anna. <laughs> and I went into that interview and I didn't have much strategy other than I have to tell my story. I have to be myself because that's all I had. I didn't have the greatest SAT scores. I didn't have, you know, all these extracurricular activities that other students had because I had to like move out on my own. And, mm. and I, I developed this grit and this determination so I, I just knew that the only way to talk about myself was to just be honest and to share my story. And, uh, and I can, did. Can we pause for just a second? Because you've mentioned this a couple times, and I keep wanting to find out. When you were 15 and you moved out, where did you go? <laughs> so when I was 15, I moved in with my grandparents for a year. Okay. And I got a job at a sandwich counter in a gas station. Awesome. <laughs> yes, yes. I worked you know, four or five days a week. And the story gets pretty sad. I came home from work one night to find my grandfather had just had a massive stroke. Mm. Wow. And he was like my advocate. He was the person that kept me safe. He was everything. And that changed everything. Mm. I, my grandmother was consumed by his care. It's a long story, but I was basically sort of asked to go back to my parents' house and I refused. I said, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not going back there. So my boss at the sandwich counter in the gas station was very empathetic and she herself had moved out young. And um, I went to her house and I stayed with her for a couple months. Wow. And then I stayed with my best friend's family for a little while. And then I got my own apartment when I was a senior in high school. Hmm. I think this just turned into like a pause cast or something. I don't know. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Powerful. I, it's probably, hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about that as we, as we try to get through the rest of this conversation. Um, so, so to, to, to finish the, yeah, the story that, so of course those are many defining moments early in my life. But I and, went into and my on an admissions accelerated, interview. very much accelerated that you should not have experienced all at the same time, right? Right. To my point earlier about not having much of a childhood, I was an yeah. adult very early. So I went into my my college interview thinking I don't belong here. This is an Ivy League school. There's no way they're going to admit me. It was sort of a hail mary, like, hey, this is who I am. And I basically told them the story that I just told you guys that I moved out young that my entire goal was to get myself into a good school. I wanted to make something of myself in my life. And uh, the admissions counselor looked at me, I'll never forget it. And he said, well, Miss Papalia, you have a tough decision to make. You can wait for the letter or I could admit you on the spot. And I was pretty sure mm. if I waited for that letter, he was going to change his mind because yeah. I couldn't believe that I had just gotten into Pen. So I was like, wow. no, I'll, 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 you can I'm do in. it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Um, that changed my life. My, my entire life changed in that interview. Wow. An interview can change your life. Mm. And then I went on to study psychology and then I started a career in HR. And then truth be told, recruiting and interviewing literally fell in my lap. 
I was an HR generalist in the beginning of my career. I was terrible at my job. I was terrible at it. An HR generalist was responsible for reporting and employee changes and paperwork and spreadsheets. And I was terrible at it. And I just kept thinking, I know this is what I'm, I, I wanted to be a therapist. And I thought corporate HR would be kind of like corporate therapy. And I just mm. was missing it. And a couple months into it, the recruiter came to me and she was just overwhelmed. And she was like, can you help me like call some of these candidates and just literally like, like threw a bunch of resumes on my lap. And I started and I was like, oh my God, they're going to pay me to like talk to people on the phone. Yes, please. I don't, I'm terrible at that HR generalist stuff. And it was love at first call. It was, it was such a click for me. It was ev all of my skill sets came together and I just loved it. I was very good at understanding what the company needed, what the hiring managers needed and figuring out who these people were in a short interaction. And it just became this like love affair that I had with interviewing, like this artificial moment is all we have to determine if someone's going to be a good fit. Mm. How do we do this better? This artificial and that was the, moment. that was the beginning of my HR career. And then from there, I went on to recruit as a contingency recruiter and I learned recruiting and I learned how to cold call and I learned what people liked and I learned what good candidates did and I learned the whole thing. And then I went in-house and became a director of talent. Well, I was first just an entry-level recruiter and then I was promoted very quickly a couple of times and took over the department. Mm. Um, and that's ultimately the role I left in 2011. Um, I was responsible for hiring for the entire organization. I hired 80% of the employees at that company by the time I had left. Um, I worked with all of the executives partnering on recruiting strategies and plans. I knew interviewing inside and out from, from the entry level standpoint of an HR generalist all the way up to director of talent. I had done it for 10 years. I knew all sides of the HR part of it. Wow. And 2011 is when you left that to go out on your own. To launch. That's really fascinating because I started my career around 2001, somewhere in that range. I think we may be similar in age. And the first 10 years, I think I've gone back and looked. I think I've interviewed over 1,500 people in the first 10 years of my career. So I had a lot of interviewing experience as well and uh, not quite the expert that I think you may be. And I can't wait to talk to talk more about that. I find myself doing some of the things I've learned from watching you, like how you're looking into the camera, not down at your picture, how you're kind of lean forward on the edge of your seat. So I can't wait to talk more about that. But before we get there, one of the ways that we honor all of our guests is we ask them to give us their own definition of a goat. Can't wait to hear yours. And then once you do, please share a goat or two with us. I think that a goat, obviously the greatest of all time, is someone that looks at the status quo, that looks at the world and says, we can do better. You know, one of my favorite quotes is the Gandhi quote, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. And one of my biggest frustrations with life or with people are people that go in and just accept the status quo or apathy is probably one of my biggest pet peeves. I would say if, if, if pressed Steve jobs is probably one of mm. the greatest of all time for me, because that's exactly what he did. I remember in college, I had this newspaper clipping. It was an old Apple ad 
And it was basically saying it was the beginning of their ad campaign of think differently. You know, it's it's the people that go out into the world and look at something and say, this isn't working. It's messed up. Somebody needs to change that. I'm going to be that somebody. And that if I had to put my own story in a nutshell is who I am. And what I do, I'm relentlessly never satisfied. And I never look at something and say, ah, that's good enough. Mm. So is, now, that's a great strength, but it's a massive oh, weakness, yeah, sure. too, because I'm never satisfied. Yeah, yeah. I, I resonate with that, resonates with me. That, that certainly resonates with me. And they do it, jobs and people like you, they do it at their own detriment, at their own cost. Mm. If you're looking back on, on your career in the last five years and your life, what what does that cost you? What does that cost you to disrupt? Because That's you right. consider yourself someone that is disrupting the industry, right? You said, "Hey, I love what you said." You called the interview. We're making a decision on hiring somebody that we're going to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in a year in an artificial moment. Mm-hmm. And you said mm-hmm. we can't keep doing it this way. There's got to be a better way to do it. What's that cost to you? over the last three years of your life? Uh, not to be hyperbolic, but it cost me everything. Yeah. I mean, I. Um, in order to become something different, you have to completely let go of who you were before. Mm. And who I was before was this corporate director of talent. I believed all these different things. I was full of implicit bias and didn't even know it. I left that role and shed that corporate layer and became a business owner. And I started teaching people how to interview, but I was still doing it in the shades of my previous self. And it wasn't until the second defining moment in my life when I discovered interview styles through this process that I realized that my life was going to completely change forever once I discovered how to do this. And I could no longer rely on the advice I used to give or how I used to be. There's a great Buddhist analogy story that I share with lots of my clients. This man had to get across a river. So he cut down a tree and he carved out a canoe and it took him weeks and he made it perfect and it was beautiful and it got him across the river. It was wonderful. And then once he got across the river, he picked it up and he started carrying it. And he went to carry it and he came across a mountain and he had to climb up a mountain. And these two monks ran into him and they said, why are you carrying a canoe up a mountain? And he said, well, it served me over there. It got me across the river. I just never know when I'm going to need it again. And they were like, but you don't need that, that where you're going. You yeah. have to put it down now. Mm, yeah. And this for me is what happens in life where you you think you need something, this level of experience, this skill set, these qualifications that you have, and you hold on to them. And if you don't let go, you can't get where you, you're going. You can't climb up that mountain carrying a big canal. So I realized immediately I could no longer be the former version of myself once I figured this out, once I discovered interview styles, once I created this framework. 
it changed everything for me. And I also couldn't do it alone. I had to hire a team and yeah. it changed everything for me. And I want to, re- I want to replay. I tried to write it down when you said it and, and I hope our audience will go back and listen to the exact quote. There was a word that came to mind for me. This is not exactly how you said it, but I'm going to insert a word that, that rang when you said the quote in order to become something different, you must, you said, let go. I wrote down, you have part of you has to die in order Mm -hmm. or whatever the thing is, right? You've got to let go of the canoe, let go of that part of yourself, but there's a death in a way that has to occur for that thing, right? And of of who you were, what you needed before that you may not need today, you need something different, want to become something different. Yeah, Colby asked me, you know, what, what, you know, what did I lose by doing all of this? And if you're doing things right, and if you're evolving correctly, you lose everything. You shed that former part of yourself. It's a metamorphosis. It's a growing, like, it's like watching children. Like I can't try to get my seven-year-old to wear his baby clothes anymore. He's a different person now, but as adults, we don't look at it that way. And for me, my biggest challenge is keeping up with myself, being never satisfied and letting go of those former versions of how I used to give advice, how I used to coach, how I used to look at the world. It's completely different than the way I did it five years ago. Yeah. I tell my kids often that uh, it's life's design similar to baseball or vice versa. Right. And after T-ball, like it's not funny to run to third base anymore. It's cute. It's right. cute. It's cute, right? In T-ball, but after T-ball, it's like, yeah, you gotta run it the right way, right? So I want to comment on one thing before we shut this thing what down. What I struggle with is it's never cute to me. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I, I wish it was. I wish it was. No, no, seriously, I wish it was. But professional from, baseball players, yes. no, literally. No. But I want to. I want to say one quick thing about Steve Jobs. Love I'm him. Um, I, he's actually been one of my goats that I've shared before. So I love that you, that you shared him. Um, ha, do you, are sad. you aware, are there any recorded interviews? You guys know we're talking. Yeah, sorry, okay. <laughs> so are you aware, are there any recorded interview, like him doing any interviews like with people? I don't that would know, be actually. really fascinating because what, one of my favorite quotes of all time is him saying, we we don't hire people to tell them what to do. We hire people for them to tell us what to do. And I imagine Ooh. the interviews that he John does prepares for these things. The interview <laughs> that, that he good. that he does with people has to be fascinating because he's looking at what can you be telling me to do better? And I'm Steve Jobs, right? Like that's got to be super cool. Well, I can imagine, obviously, we we won't know this for sure ever, but I would guess that if I had to hypothesize that Steve Jobs was a challenger in interviews, Mm. he's probably a challenger in his life. And his interview style, to your point, was probably a lot of asking very deep questions to figure out who this person was. That is an entirely different interview style than the others. Mm. Well, we're gonna we're gonna pause right there and challenge our audience to stay with us. Anna, yeah. will you stay with us for round two? We're gonna Please, get we're gonna get we're gonna get in the canoe with yes. Anna. I love it. And we're gonna cross the river. If you'll stay with us for Tyler Burnett and John Byers and Anna Papalia, I'm Colby Jubinville, and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Oh.